G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today, really excited to be giving you my where to buy, what to buy, why to buy it, and how to do the research. So my top-down approach to selecting a suburb, location, and property. It's great to put all this together and put it out to you. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. Originally started putting a criteria together for a top-down approach to select a suburb, then how to find the best location within a suburb, and then ultimately how to arrive and select a property. And I started putting this together many years ago. And recently, one of our listeners, shout out to Daniel, asked me, how do I actually go about choosing a property within a top-performing suburb? Because I have these buyer packs where I give people my suggested suburbs, but then how do you drill down and find the location and the properties within that suburb was the question Daniel had. So I credit the investors that have come before me and I really wanted to put this in the upfront that my thinking is a result of the mixing bowl of books, podcasts, conversations I've had with so many people and my own personal investing experiences. And so I didn't don't want this to come across like I've come up with this all by myself because I think all of us that are successful stand on the shoulders of those successful investors that have come before us. So you may see many commonalities between what others have as their criteria and there's really no, it's not a coincidence, put it that way. Success leaves clues and there's you'd expect that people that are successful in investing have some overlap in their criterias. So I'm not only going to tell you today what I look for, but I think it's important that I tell you why and also where you can find out the information so you can do your own research too. So there's no point in me going and giving you a fish. I'm trying to teach you to fish, how to research and how to arrive and make smarter buying choices yourself too. So I try to find the following when narrowing down a suburb. Let's start at the top top level choosing your suburb. I look for a strong history of capital growth and you would have heard me mentioning that I've got a research study that I've put together the last 30 years of average annual growth rates for all the suburbs that have been around that long in Perth. I then go through and remove the suburbs where it's not likely to continue. I remove the suburbs that have had a major change or a rejuvenation that isn't likely to continue. And I arrive at that always as my starting point. And at my buyer pack, one of the main things it includes is four to five suburbs in your price point that you can afford as a starting point for where to focus your attention and look. I then look at those suburbs and I find the ones that have the highest proportion of homeowners to investors. I prefer 80% or above. Now, when you're in the lower price points, you'll find that there's usually more investors to homeowners. But the reason that I want this home ownership to be so high is think about it. 
homeowners are the ones that drive prices in an area. They're the ones that emotionally pay for a property. They're the ones that take pride in their places and renovate them and extend them because they need to, not for profit, but to suit their families for pride. And that's what drives the ever-increasing appeal of an area. And homeowners typically own their properties for many cases a lot longer than investors, especially in school areas. They might stay there for 12 years while the kids are going to school. And when things get tough and the economy goes down, investors that can't hold on or that are tested financially, they're the ones that bail or sell out of an area, not the homeowners. The homeowners have a lot more sticking power to staying there and making their mortgage repayments. So that's why it's such a key thing that I put up front in the suburb selection. And where can you find this out? You can go to ABS Quick Stats and find the number of properties that are rented in an area. I look for 80% and above as a preference. Now, it can sometimes be harder if there's different segments of a suburb. That's a good guide and a good starting point. So I also then look at the at having a high proportion of professionals compared to other industries. Now, why might that be important? It's important because professionals, as opposed to other industries, have got greater scope for increasing of their salaries. And when you've got greater salaries, you've got greater improvements being made to properties, greater pride being taken in properties, and therefore improving area the area improves much faster and when those types of people are looking to buy into an area they also come in with money that they can spend and if they have to spend an extra 10 20 30,000 just to get the property that they really want they'll spend it because it you know they've got the money to whereas it can come down to 5 grand in the other areas and someone would walk away over that so you can also find that information in ABS Quick Stats. You look at the industries that are made up in the area, what professions people have by industry. Now, the next one's important, not as much now because, let's face it, the whole of Perth has low vacancy rates. But it's much more important when we're in the other end of our market when things are tougher. So a lower vacancy rate is critical and to finding tenants quickly and to also having your rental prices maintained or increased. So when the vacancy rates are under 3% and trending down, then that gives me more confidence than if they're above 3%, then rental prices will be dropping. And if they're trending upwards, as in increasing with more and more properties becoming vacant, then that also tells me it's going to be a lot harder to rent my property. So that's the other reason that I like areas that have a high proportion of homeowners because when you come to rent your property, you're not going to have as many properties to compete with either. So you can find out uh, vacancy rate data at SQM. They're really great for vacancy rates. Now, some of the other things I'm looking for in my suburb before pulling the trigger on, on choosing it is I want decreasing number of average days on market to sell and I want to see that at least maintaining or, or decreasing. You 
can find that out on RP Data. At least the agents can, and I think the public have access to that as well. The other one, which I've mentioned in previous podcasts, is having great public schools. So I look at the public school, the overall schools rankings, well, not just public schools. It's great to have really great private schools too. So I look at the bettereducation.com.au website and I get a feel for which of the suburbs that I've narrowed it down to have the better schools and that is a real key thing. So I haven't probably put any of these in direct order, although when you look at the history of capital growth, that's my number one always and often that will be a rise because the other things I've mentioned exist. So. You've got your suburb. I suggest that you choose one suburb, potentially two. It's even easier if they're neighbouring each other because then you can get a real good feel. If you look at more than two suburbs, you're really leaving yourself too thin and you're not then getting to know the locations within a suburb. Now, look, I know at the moment it can be tempting if the number of properties coming on market are not that great can be tempting to suddenly look at five suburbs and 10 suburbs, but that's often when people get burnt because they come in to a suburb without having done all the research that I've just mentioned. And then they don't also do the diligence on the locations and they can be buying on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak, wherever all the locals know that it's not as desirable but if you've just come in and started looking, you wouldn't know that yet. So what to look for in the location? I look for exceptional street appeal. And this is a critical thing for me. I really don't like to compromise on how good the street is. And there's that saying, you know, worst house in the best street. I'd certainly agree with that. I'm more focused on my street than many other factors. So you like them to be tree-lined. You like the other houses to be presented well. You like there to be a feeling like there's many homeowners there. You don't want the burnt out car and the shopping trolleys and uh, the sparse streets where all the houses aren't yet upgraded or no one's doing any work to them. You want pride. You want people to know that it's one of the best streets in that whole suburb. How do you get to know that? Drive the streets, chat with agents, ask them, chat with property managers. That's how you know. You have to do the yards on that one. Now, what else do we want in the location? I look for the best area within the suburb where the highest sale prices have been. So you look at past sale price data, RP data, realestate.com.au has got the sold section you can check out. You really want to be buying in the most desirable area of that suburb because it's always going to have stronger appeal in good markets and in bad, and it's going to outperform the other areas hands down. So what else? I don't want any negative factors arising that are going to affect my resale. Now, people don't appreciate it at the moment just how hard some properties are to sell in a downward market when they have these factors. At the moment, we can find buyers for everything if it's priced accordingly. Sometimes in a downward market, it doesn't matter the price. If it's got these things, you may not be able to find a buyer. So what sort of things? Power lines, and it obviously depends on how much the voltage is, but that also affects the financing abilities of borrowers. And when I say power lines, I mean high voltage power lines. 
because borrowers can't borrow any more than 80% on them. Many just won't even come if they knew that there was a, a power line or power pole directly within sight of the property, especially if it runs on the boundary. I wouldn't buy directly across from the shops or directly across from schools or trains or bus stations or drainage sumps or on main roads. So all of those things, yes, you can get a property for less. They're also going to out, not out, they're going to underperform the other properties in the area and not grow by as much over time. Not, not only will they stay under what the others are selling for, they won't keep up in pace with the prices. So then once we've chosen the suburb, we've narrowed down areas within the suburb, then you really want to be looking at the property itself. Why does everyone, everyone seems to start at just the property, might be going, driving home or driving somewhere or friend tells them about a property, they just jump straight into the property and haven't even considered the location in the suburb and how important those things are. So that's why we go from the top down. Now the property itself, I want a high percent of land value to build value over 60%. Now, as I've covered in my one of my last episodes on buying established versus building new, there can be reasons you might want to alter this, but this is my general criteria for a property that's going to outperform in growth. Obviously, the closer you get to this criteria, the better it's going to perform. So it's more of an ideal to work towards if you want a higher performing property. Now, if this land value is higher, we're going to get greater appreciation, but we still need it to have enough of a building component so that it's decently rentable and is going to attract good tenants. So over 60% in the land value is good, somewhere between 60s and 70s is usually ideal. So that might mean that it's an older property that's renovated or I could do the renovation myself. When it comes to other factors for the property, we want strong homeowner appeal. And if you focus on that, you're always going to be able to resell it and the value is always going to be kept up with others that are, uh, you know, have that in the area. We want it to suit the main demographic for the area and for its property type. So let's say we're looking at buying in a family suburb that has great schools. Well, we want to buy a large family home because that's going to best suit that demographic. If we're going to buy in a cafe strip type lifestyle, then we could look at a villa or a townhouse that's going to suit that lifestyle. And we want the property to then suit that type of tenant and buyer that we want to attract. So suiting the main demographic for the area, we wouldn't, for instance, go and buy a four by one in a family suburb or a smaller four by two that can't properly fit a family because it's definitely going to underperform. Now, the other things we want in that house is that that can't easily be changed is a great layout and you, you get to know what a great layout is by looking at more properties and good natural light. So it's just so hard when we come to sell a property if the property hasn't been planned out well for light and you know it affects people's buying decisions without them even knowing it. So what else do we want this property to have? Well, family homes to me need to have two to three good-sized living areas. So that's a lounge, theatre, 
and the living area, ideally, or an activity area. Ideally, if you're buying a family home, as many of those good size areas as possible. And to have good size bedrooms with built-ins, you need at least three of the bedrooms to be decent in size in my book. And we want a good size yard and some lawn because families love that for pets and kids. You definitely need an entertaining area or to factor in putting one on. And you need great kitchens and bathrooms, hands down. You're not going to sell the woman in the house without those. Now with the villas and or townhouses, we need one good size living area at, at least. With the townhouses, ideally two would be great. You need your private rear entertainment area and it's going to – I really don't compromise if it's not private and it's not rear. I don't want anything that's at the front and seeable from the road. Double garage is always preferred because you've got secure parking and you can attract an executive couple that both have cars or two independent tenants that can rent together. We want at least two of the three bedrooms to be good size with robes and we want that great kitchen and bathroom again. So that's villas. Now, what sort of other factors do we want the property to have itself? Well, it's no point having a great school in the area if it's way far away. So we want it to be close, but we don't want it to be directly opposite. Same goes for the shops and the transport. And you can suss these things out with a walk score, which is at walkscore.com. And I like to get a walk score of over 60%. So that just shows that you don't always need your car to get everywhere and it can, that it's handy enough to these things. Now, the other things that we want so that it's not sucking on our cash flow too much is we want the property to be low maintenance and in great condition or to factor in doing a renovation to get it there at the start. We want it to have wide tenant appeal as well. So that is we don't want it, we want the, the decor to be neutral. We don't want anything jarring. We want it to have you know, wide appeal to as many tenants as possible. We want things that are going to attract a better quality tenant within that same market, like a dishwasher, like air conditioning, like an alarm system and other good security. So that all adds up to making your property stand out among others that tenants have got to choose from and you command and get a more premium rent and a better quality of tenant. So we also want it to be set up well for renting. So that means having things like reticulation where there's any kind of plants or lawn. We want it to be easy care, so not, not large places where maintaining no, or where weeds can grow. I personally don't like corner properties unless there's a development angle to them because then you've got the whole other corner of the verge to, for a tenant to maintain and it often just does, it's really hard to keep on top of them for like to have dark carpet or whenever I'm replacing the carpet, I go with dark. It's just so much better than cream and the, these white and light colours that investors use that just make me shiver when they get two to three years out of them looking good versus, you know, 10 to 15. Tiled living areas or hard flooring I prefer, prefer and God knows why you'd put carpet in a, in a main walkway or a main hallway. It's beyond me. So if you are going to have carpet, just stick to the rooms, the bedrooms, and maybe the theatre. I'd always put the theatre with carpet for sound. And so that way you've got a suburb 
that has strong homeowner appeal, that has got the history of past performance, that's got the low vacancy rate. And you've also looked at some of those other stats to make sure it's at the right point in its cycle to buy. We've then found the location within the suburb that's the most appealing. And then we've found a property itself, which is going to be highly appealing for homeowners and for tenants. And you haven't got any major factors in any of those that are going to make it difficult to rent or to sell at any point. That's my suburb criteria. I'm sure I'm going to add to it and refine it as I go. My journey is by no means done, but hopefully this helps yours. Thanks for joining me and catch you on the next one. And before I go, if you're listening on Apple iTunes, I'd appreciate a review. really helps our podcast get found. And if you do have any topics that you'd love to hear about, reach out to me. And just like Daniel, who inspired me on this one, I can cover it on a coming episode. Catch you later.